one common sin infects us all. From side to song the pain descends, and over all the curse impends. Through all man's past corruption creeps, and him in dreadful bondage keeps. In guilt he draws his infant breath and reaps its fruits of woe and death. From hearts depraved to evil prone flow thoughts and deeds of sin alone. God's image lost the darkened soul, nor seeks nor finds its heavenly goal. But Christ the second Adam came to bear our sin and woe and shame, to be our life, our light, our way, our only hope, our only stay. As by one man all mankind fell, and born in sin was doomed to hell, so by one man who took our place, we all receive the gift of grace. We thank thee, Christ, new life is ours, new light, new hope, new strength, new power. Disgrace our every way attend until we reach our journey's end. Ah. In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching Him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is the name of the Lord. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto Thee all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended Thee, 
and justly deserve thy temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them, and sincerely repent of them. And I pray thee of thy boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor, sinful being. Upon this short confession, I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you, and in the stead, and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. No evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. The royal banners forward go. The cross shows forth redemption's flow, where he by whom our flesh was paid, our ransom in his flesh was paid. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O Lord God, you led the ancient people through the wilderness and brought them unto the promised land. Guide the people of your church that following our Savior 
that we may walk in the wilderness of this world towards the glory of the world to come. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Old Testament lesson for Invocabit Sunday, the first Sunday of Lent, is written in the third chapter of the first book of Moses, commonly called the Genesis, beginning at the first verse. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall ye touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said unto the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that it was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made for themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man said unto his wife, and hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said unto him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I have commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you will bring forth children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it will bring forth for you, and you will eat of the herb of the field. And by the sweat of your brow you shall eat your bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Then the man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins and clothed them. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. 
On their hands they shall bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. The epistle lesson is written in the sixth chapter of St. Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth, beginning at the first verse. Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, by great endurance, in afflictions and hardships, calamities and beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing everything. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. He that dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Holy Gospel is written in the fourth chapter of St. Matthew, beginning at the first verse. Glory be to thee, O Lord. After he was baptized by John, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And afterward, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said unto him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written that he will give his angels charge of you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone." Jesus said unto him, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory therein and said unto him, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said unto him, begone Satan, 
For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father, worlds, God of God, light of light, every God of every God, begotten, not made, and of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father and he will come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Almighty fortress is our God, our trusty shield and weapon. He helps us free from every need that hath us now taken. The Deadly woe. 
night are his dread arms in fight. On earth is not his equal. With might of ours cannot be done, soon were our loss effected. Spots the valiant one whom God himself who, who is this Jesus Christ it is of Sabaoth Lord and there's none other God he holds the shall not overpower us. This world's prince may still scalp his as he will. He can harm us none. He's judged the deed is done. One little word can Come on, stand up. The word they still shall let remain, nor any thanks are for it. He's by your side upon the his good gifts and spirit and take they our wife goods, fame, child and wife let these all be gone they still the kingdom of Thank, thank you. <laughs> I was taken to task one time by a fellow Bavarian uh, that we weren't standing for that last verse. So I don't know if it's a Saxon thing or Bavarian thing. Who knows? But anyways, I don't want to get in trouble. So let's stand for the last verse. Um, you know, uh, Oscar Wilde once said that the only thing he the only thing he can't withstand is temptation. And um, temptations are hard, aren't they? They really are. They're very powerful. In fact, that's kind of what advertising is, right? very powerful, and the, the, you know, so, you know what the least powerful ads are prompting you to smoke? 
the least powerful ones are the ones without warnings. For real. Yeah. The, the, the most powerful uh, ads to, to keep you from smoking, but actually encourage you to smoke, are the ones with warnings. I guess maybe because it's forbidden or something. It's bad. Don't do that. So we want to do it, right? Some of us. Right? It's very powerful. In fact, what's even more powerful than ads with warnings are the merchandising. You know, the ashtrays, the hats, you know, you name it, all, the, all, all that stuff. In fact, the most powerful thing to get people to smoke are, are things like the subliminal in imagery that comes across, particularly in the Formula One and the NASCAR circuits, right? Like the Winston Cup. Oh, yeah. Seeing your car with that, with that Winston cigarette all over it, very nice, right? That's very effective in making people want to smoke. It's not the logo, what advertisers and companies have long thought had all the mystical powers. They work least well. No, it's the subliminal messages out there, right? To get you to want to do something. It tempts you, right? That's what it's all about. So don't let, don't let your wallet or your mind fall prey to them. So writes M. Lindstrom in his book, Biology. But, you know, that's what advertising is ultimately, right? It, it's ultimately a form of temptation. Maybe not always a bad temptation. Some temptations are good, like to be more healthy or to eat right, drink lots of water, go to church, pray. Those are good temptations, good things. But not all of them are. And in today's gospel lesson in Matthew 4, Jesus doesn't fall for the bad ones, does he? No, he doesn't. Because, you see, after he was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil... When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, which is an understatement. He was literally physically starving to death. And then the tempter came to him and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. You know, very reasonable request, right? I mean, you're starving to death, make some, make some lunch, right? But before we consider the reasonableness of the request, I think it's important to know who the speaker is. Because if you just listen to the news and you don't know who the people are involved, you will not understand the news or history or even the scriptures, I think, to a certain degree, right? So let's consider who's the speaker here. Matthew names this entity with three different names. He's called the tempter, he's called the devil, right? And he's called, at the very end, he's called Satan, the enemy, right? The enemy. But the first name here that he's called is actually, or the most important name, I think, is the devil. Because the devil means the accuser. It means one who slanders you, right? And what is slander? Slander is any false statement that's maliciously given to damage your reputation, right? right? Yes, the devil isn't a myth. No, he's real. In fact, scriptures are very clear on this, right? In his, in his, in his epistle, first epistle, Peter says, be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, prowls around seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that some sufferings are experienced by your, the same sufferings are experienced by your brethren in the world. So, we learn from, from uh, Peter here in his first epistle, chapter 5, that, that you and I actually have, like, non-human intelligences that are our enemy. Right? So if you wonder, sometimes you think, man, I'm just not having good luck, or just things aren't working out for me, or I'm having a bad day for some reason that I can't understand, right? Understand, it might be intentional from, what, from the devil or one of his other non-human intelligences that we call demons. That's a real thing. It really is. 
He's also called the tempter. That's his another name, right? The tempter. That's the first term it's given. The tempter. The, the perazo. The perazo. It, which means in Greek to tempt, to try, to put one to the test. Often with the intent to do evil. Right? Absolutely. Right? And this, and this word in the Greek means, like I said, to test. Now, not all tests are necessarily bad tests. I mean, it's important to have tests in life, right? It is. And, um, but no temptations come from God. They, they either come from our own corrupt, sinful nature, or they come from pe- people in the world that are, e- you know, that are evil, right? Or they come from the devil himself. They can come from any of those places. But God does allow testing. He does allow it for his own reasons, right? And I think the reason often is God allows us to be tempted to strengthen our faith and to, and to, um, and to enrich our reliance upon him, so like in Genesis 22.1, God tested Abraham when he commanded him to basically do what most people in the land of Canaan did as, as an integral part of their, their, their religion and their relationship with, their, with the deities they worshipped. Because the Canaanites, the big thing in Canaan when it came to Canaanite religion was human sacrifice. They were really into that. So, and you would usually sacrifice your, your, your firstborn child. Okay, so you demonstrated your commitment to God or the gods by taking the first baby that, you know, you and your wife give birth to, and you take that baby, and you sacrifice that baby to the Baals or to the Molech, right? That's what you do. And so God wanted to see if Abraham had at least the same level of commitment to, uh, to him as the Canaanites had to their, their demon gods. And Abraham passed the test. He did. He took his son Isaac, whom he loved, to the land of Moriah and offered him on, as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which God showed him. He did it. I mean, God intervened and stopped it, but he did it, right? He proved that he was as, as much committed to his religion, right, his, the true religion, that, as, as the Canaanites were to their false religions. And that, and that false religion was the reason why, by, by the way, that, that God later ex- orders the extermination of the Canaanites, right? But Abraham met the test, right? He believed God, and so it was accounted to him as righteousness, right? In Exodus twenty twenty, we know that the Torah... Or the, ten, or the Ten Commandments, which is the foundation of God's Torah, right, was also a test of his people. For God's word tests us. It tests our commitment to him. That's the reason why Jesus says in John 14, verse 15, that if you love me, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will. Right? Because we can be sure that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. First John 2, verse 3 so, so do we love God? I, I, know, I know in my own life, frequently, I can't really make that claim because I don't keep his commandments like I should. You know, I don't. I honor them more often than the breach. For this is the love of God, right? That we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. No, they're not. They're really not. Everything God says is for our benefit. And if we follow them, we will eternally benefit from following that word. Therefore, Jesus demonstrates his love of God the Father and his love for us in Matthew 4, chapter, you know, chapter 4, when he refuses to give in to the devil's three temptations, right? And immediately after he refuses all three temptations, what happens? Behold, the angels come and they minister to him. Pretty awesome, right? Now, 
it, it, it just come up from time to time in Bible class and with youth and stuff and, and just in day-to-day conversations, people will say, and, and I know we've all thought this, you know, why does a loving God per, per allow evil? Or why does he allow the devil to even exist? Right? What a drag that is, right? What a, what a bummer that is. And, and yet, there is a reason, right? And we see the reason in today's gospel lesson, right? God, the reason why God tolerates, and I say tolerate, underline that word tolerate, the devil's existence, right? It is because, because the devil gives us feedback on how authentically we love God, doesn't he? Right? I mean, that was what was going on in the book of Job, right? In the, in the book of Job, the sons of God are presenting themselves before God's throne, and, and, then, and then God says to uh, the devil, he says, uh, have you considered my servant Job? And, and, and the devil says to, to Job, he says to God, he says, yeah, Job likes you. You, you. He's like wealthy and got a big family and he's financially, he's successful and you, you've given him like an awesome life. Why wouldn't Job like you? But then when the devil was allowed to take everything away, including his health, God still saw that Job still loved him. It's interesting, isn't it? And there are some scholars who think Job has another name that is Japheth. I don't know, maybe. Kind of interesting if that were true. No, Job stood, stood firm, and so does Jesus. He stands firm, right? And that's what tests are. Tests are a, they reveal the quality of a thing, right? You, you know, the quality of the car is if it's tested, does it, does it make meat? certain standards, right? And the same thing in, in terms of, in, in, you know, in school. The reason why in school we have tests is see if you know the material, right? You know, you never know if your football team's any good if it, if it can't defeat the other teams in the league, whichever league that is, right? Right? And God used the wilderness 40 years to test Israel and to prepare them to conquer the land of Canaan. In fact, God says this in Deuteronomy 8. He says, God said to the Hebrews, you are to remember that the Lord your God led you all the way 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know, right, to know your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna that you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, which is the exact thing Jesus says to the devil after the devil, you know, proposes that he turns some stones into bread. It's interesting, isn't it? Maybe he's saying that because if we live for bread alone and not the word of God, maybe the, the bread we eat turns to stones in our heart. I don't know, maybe. Something to think about. It's where the ponder, isn't it? Yes, ironically, the same verse, right? It's very ironic to turn these stones to bread. In fact, all three of Jesus' rebuttals, all three of them to the devil, are taken out of existing scripture, right? I mean, Jesus said to the devil, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God, Deuteronomy 6.16. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. And Satan means enemy, right? For it is written, you shall not worship the Lord, you shall worship the Lord your God, and only him shall you serve. 
right? He's reminding him that, Satan, you're actually an angel, and you're supposed to be serving me. Interesting. Right? And by doing this, what is Jesus giving to us, though, right? He's giving us a very important insight, right? Because often we think, you know, well, yeah, Jesus survived that because he's like a superhero, right? He's God and man. You know, he's powerful. I couldn't do that. I can't stand against the devil and his temptations. It's too much. Not so. Not so. You know, we, sur- we, we survive by using God's words as well. Jesus, in fact, uses the same things that are given. he gives us in our toolbox. He gives us the same tools. He gives us the word of God. Jesus uses the same Bible that you have in your pew right now in front of you. And he uses that same word because the devil hates the word of God. He just can't stand to be in the room with it that long. It's terrible for him, right? That's why in Ephesians 6, 7, 17, the apostle is inspired by the Holy Spirit to write, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit that is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication, Right? And therefore, as our substitute and our teacher, Jesus is using the same tools, God's word and salvation he leaves with us. Right? Because the helmet of salvation, what is that? That is a certainty that God has saved us by grace through faith, through his word. And then God's word is the sword that we use against the devil's lies and temptations. Why? Because the word of God pronounces the truth that the devil and sin and death have been defeated when Jesus gave up his life upon the cross for us. When he said, it is finished, it meant the devil, sin, and death are finished. They are finished. Isn't that wonderful? I think it's awesome. Yes. Yes, God loves us so much that he finished Satan and death and our sin on the cross, right? And so... That renders Satan's slanders really irrelevant. Now, they're not false, right? I mean, Luther makes it very clear, clear in his large catechism that, that in the middle of the night, Satan would come to him, as, as he comes to, I'm sure, some of y'all, and he's, he'll say all kinds of slanderous things against you, that you're a terrible person for all these reasons. And Luther, you know what Luther says to the devil? He says, you know, you're right. Those are all true statements, but your list is not comprehensive. You need to add some more sins on there. But it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. And the same is true for us, right? It's irrelevant. So, yeah, it's true. Like Oscar Wilde, we can say, I can withstand anything but temptation. But that's okay. Because, you see, Jesus withstood temptation for us. In the name of Jesus, amen. in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not from thy restaurant. 
thy joy. And uphold me with thy free spirit. Amen. be with you. Lord Jesus, accept these gifts to the service on an altar and the preachment of the Holy Gospel. In your name, O Lord, we pray. Amen. Just uh, welcome everybody this morning. It's great really having you all here. It's awesome. Um, just note the blue news for this week, uh, normal Lenten schedule, so 11 o'clock matins and a luncheon after, and then uh, 6 p.m. will be um, Vespers, and then there'll be a uh, light supper after that, and uh, also in the back there's a sign-up sheet for the German sausage dinner, that's the big thing our parish does for forever, and uh, it's our major fundraiser for our youth programs, and we all kind of pitch in, it's a great time of fellowship, but Look on there and see if there's anything you, 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 you could do or want to do and put your name on there. It'd be great. And um, so just a normal schedule. Just look at there and look at the blue news. If you've got any questions, uh, ask an elder or myself later. Then we have a couple prayer requests from early service. One, um, uh, Paul Pacey asked that we pray for Joe Long, a friend of the family's. Uh, Joe's got congestive heart failure and he's at Thomas. So we, we're going to pray for him this morning. And then also several of our parishioners, the, uh, Paul and Susan and Chris and Leslie Pacey are all, they're traveling right now. They're actually in Egypt, so we pray for them as they travel uh, in Egypt. I saw pictures of them in front of the uh, pyramids yesterday, I guess, so it's pretty cool. So anyways, just the Lord be with you and you have a, and Lord be with you and have a great day. Let us pray.
In peace, let us pray to the Lord for the peace that is from above and for the well-being of the churches of Christ and the godly unity of all Christendom. Let us pray to the Lord for this holy house and for those who in faith, piety, and the fear of God offer here their worship and praise. Let us pray to the Lord for Matthew and Eric, our shepherds and bishops in Christ, for all pastors and teachers and all people. Let us pray to the Lord. For the United States and all of our people, for Joe, our president, the Congress of the United States, for Kay, our governor, and the legislature of Alabama, for our judges and magistrates, and all who serve in public office, let us pray to the Lord. For the sick and the sorrowing, for those who mourn, for those who are in need and distress, for the homebound and the infirm, especially we pray this day for Alice and Woody and Cloyce, for Brandy and Jim, for Deborah and Artie, for Melissa and Becca, for Joyce and Mary, Mark and Eddie, Norma and Kim and Suzette, for Jim and Bonnie, for Shirley and Chris, for Elmer and Sugar and Janice and Taylor, for Melissa and Tara, for Melissa and Gray, Bob and Meredith, James and George and Larry Dean, for Earl and Suzette, for Bob and Mallory, Mark and Hank and Jay, Tracy and Michelle, Carl and Karen, Jimmy and Tina, Ainsley and Kevin, Ron and Jesse, Theo and Easton and Waylon and Ryan. We also pray for the families of our parish who mourn, especially the Tatum and Rogers family, the Faust and Callie's family, the Todd family, and the Bolton and Grice and Heil families. We also pray for those who are in service to our country's armed forces, especially Riley and Paul, Hayden and Paul. And we pray for all of our university students, including Minnie and Aiden, Jacob and Kelsey and Mia. And we pray, Heavenly Father, also for those to whom death is drawing near and for us all, that when our last hour shall come, we may depart this life in the confidence of the sure faith, the consolation of a right, devout, and holy hope, and in the communion of Christ's holy church. Let us pray to the Lord. Recalling those who have gone before us in the faith and rejoicing to share with them the Sabbath rest which Christ has won for his people that together with them we may be found faithful in the day of judgment and rejoice in the day of the resurrection of the dead. Let us pray to the Lord. We pray especially for uh, Joe Long. Almighty God, everlasting Father, the eternal salvation of them that believe, hear our prayers on behalf of thy servant Joe, who is in hospital with sickness, and we implore thy aid and mercy for him, that he might be restored to his former health, so that he might render thanks to thee in thy church. We ask this through the merits, the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. And we also pray for Paul, Susan, Chris, and Leslie who are traveling, but really for all who travel during these days as well. Uh, Lord God, Heavenly Father, you watched over Abraham and Sarah in their many decades of pilgrimage. You watched over also the Magi and safely brought them to the infant Jesus and home again. We pray for Paul and Susan and Chris and Leslie and all others who must travel. We pray that you would keep them safe in their travels and that their homecomings would be joyful. We ask this for the sake of Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.